0: Thank you for that. Appreciate that. If you think about that thought just for a moment, that I mean, God knew the tree that was growing that would be used to make the old rugged cross, and yet he allowed it, sent it rain, sent it sunshine, and, uh, and allowed it to grow. Why, why would God do that? And I'll tell you why. The answer is real simple, because he loves you. And he loves me. And he cares about every person. And he devised that plan. The Bible says before the foundations of the world, he knew that he would come as the intercessor, as the sacrifice, really, uh, of of every person, and that he would shed his blood on the cross of Calvary. Appreciate that. Special. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter number 7, or Luke chapter number 5, excuse me, Luke chapter number 5. And I want to preach this morning on in the midst. That little phrase is in our, our text that we're going to look at. A couple weeks ago, I guess it was, my dad sent me an email. And, and I had a bunch of verses that uh, spoke about Jesus being in the midst. And, and really, as I read them, uh, uh, the Lord just impressed upon my heart uh, that idea of Jesus being in the midst. And in Luke chapter number 5 and verse number 17, uh, we see that idea of Jesus being here in the midst, we actually see a man that was brought to Jesus and was lowered down uh, right in the middle of where Jesus was. In Luke chapter number five and verse number 17, we'll read the, uh, the account here and, and find out exactly what the Word of God says. It says in Luke 5:17, "And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went up upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto unto him, Man, thy sins be forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before him, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. It's a phenomenal account in all reality. Of if you think about what took place here, and uh, there's another gospel account where it says, Uh, that gives us a little bit of the idea that where Jesus was teaching and preaching that day was just jam-packed full, and those fellows could not get in. And it does say that for the multitude, but, uh, but the idea is that there were so many people in there, they simply could not get in to where Jesus was, and so they decided to go up on the roof. Now, in our mentality, in our mind, we're thinking a pitched roof that's, uh, that, you know, you can slide off of, and, and, uh, and it's kind of difficult in, in Bible times, and in many of those places, even in South America where we were, many of the roofs were flat, uh, and I don't understand exactly how their roofing was, but the Bible does give us an indication that they pulled up tiles. In other words, that it was something simple. I don't think they got out a... a well, I know for a fact they didn't get a jackhammer up there. Okay, and start jackhammering the roof to get through it. Uh, but, but there was some form and way that they could pull up those tiles... And then they took ropes and they lowered that couch, that bed, uh, where the paralytic man was laying. Uh, they lowered him down to Jesus Christ. And right there in the center. And I'm amazed at this passage. Every time I read it, it just stands out to me. It's amazing. And Jesus said this, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. What an incredible, incredible account in reality. I love the fact that it goes on and the Bible says that the Pharisees, the Pharisees were that religious crowd that really they did not accept Jesus Christ as God. Uh, they, did, they saw him perhaps as a prophet, but in reality they treated him more like a false prophet. And, and in all honesty, they wanted to be rid of Jesus because he was bringing confusion into the hearts and minds of many people when in reality they were confused. Those who acknowledged Jesus as the Christ and as the Messiah were truly seeing things right. But they were upset, of course, and they start to reason, the Bible says, within themselves. And I love this in verse number 22. This has nothing to do with the message, but I just love it. It says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answering said to them, what reason ye in your heart? Boy, there's probably a whole message right there. That Jesus was looking at them and I don't know, perhaps their face revealed their hearts or I know that God is able to actually see our hearts. And so, uh, so Jesus would understand what they were thinking and He frames the question to them, what reason ye in your heart? They, of course, were upset because he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. And they did not recognize him as God, though he was God and is God. We find that he did forgive that man. But I want you to notice this phrase in verse number 19. As they're lowering the man through the tiling. The Bible says uh, through the tiling with his couch into the midst of. Before Jesus. And it's that little word into the midst that I want to look at this morning. And I want us to understand uh, that being in the midst of Jesus produces some things. What is the word midst? Well, the, the dictionary phrase says this. The Webster's 1828 dictionary says this. The phrase in the midst often signifies, involved in, surrounded or overwhelmed by, or in the thickest part, or in the depths of, as in the midst of affliction, troubles, or cares, or in the midst of our contemplations. And so you get the idea that as that man was lowered, he was lowered right down to the very presence in the midst of Jesus Christ himself. By the way, that's where the congregation wanted to be. They all flocked there. And uh, and this this paralyzed fella, uh, we really don't know. I can only assume that uh, that he wanted to be there as well. And but these other men had a great deal of compassion and put forth a great deal of effort to get this man to the very midst and presence of Jesus Christ. And as we think about this passage this morning and, and consider the idea of being in the midst of Jesus Christ, I want us to recognize that there's a few things that take place and there's a few things that happen when we are in the midst or in the presence of Jesus Christ Himself. And one of the things that we see in this passage, in verse number 20, the Bible says, And when, they saw, when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And let me tell you something, when you get in the midst of Jesus Christ, hey, and, and you trust it, hey, there is the pardon of Jesus Christ. He gives you a pardon for your sins. Man, what a wonderful story that this man had come before Jesus and was lowered down into the very presence, and to know that his sins were washed away. I want you to notice a couple things about this man. Uh, I want you to, because oftentimes we think, "Hey, that we've got to, uh, we've got to clean ourselves up in order to get to God." Listen, there is no way on earth that mankind can clean themselves up enough to get to God's presence. This man didn't pretend to come as a whole man. They didn't prop this man up and try and walk him in like a normal person and say, well, you know, this guy's, uh, this guy's as normal as the rest of us. Listen to me this morning. It is people that are sinners. It is people that are drunks. It is people that are drug addicts. It is people that are, that are vile with sin that are in need of a Savior. And the Bible says that we are all sinners before God you say, well, I'm not a drunk or I'm not a drug addict. Listen, you may not be, but let me tell you something. Adam was not a drunk or a drug addict, but yet he sinned against God. And it caused all of mankind to be thrown into sin. And so we find that, listen, uh, don't try to come to, to Jesus pretending that you're a righteous person. Hey, just come to Jesus as you are. This this paralyzed man uh, came to Jesus just as he was. And let me tell you something this morning. Jesus loves sinners. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8, but God commendeth, and that means to show and, and deem worthy, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, God didn't come and die for you because you were all dressed up and that you were all fancied up and you were all cleaned up and you were not in need of a Savior. God died for you because you were in need of a Savior. You were like the, uh, uh, the, the person that, uh, that's lost and undone. Uh, the Good Samaritan uh, is the story that comes to mind. And, and that man was, was, the Bible says that there, there was a man that was beaten and left for dead. That was the man that was in need of a Savior. That was the man that needed somebody to have compassion on him. Listen, that's where we are at Uh, if we are in our sins and we're not saved this morning. Listen, Jesus loves you. Now, He doesn't approve of your sin. We understand that. We know that. But He definitely loves the sinner. The Bible says that, uh, that, that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He shed his blood on the cross of Calvary while we were yet sinners. Listen, sin has a price. God does not accept sin. The Bible says that for the wages of sin is death. In other words, hey, what you earn for your sin is death. And the Bible clarifies that in the book of Revelation and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And this is the second death, the Bible says. And listen, that's what we deserve because of our sin. But I'm glad that this morning you can come to Jesus and you can be in the midst of Jesus and you can find pardon. Hey, there was a man by the name of George Wilson around 1829, 1830 in America here. And he was condemned to death by hanging for robbing a U.S. postal train. He had robbed that train and he was guilty and he was condemned uh, to to hang by the neck until he was dead. And George Wilson's influential friends went straight to President Andrew Jackson. And they said, President Andrew Jackson, our, our friend, we're begging you for mercy that you would pardon our friend George Wilson. So Andrew Jackson heard their uh, their plea for mercy and Andrew Jackson then wrote out a formal pardon for George Wilson, that he would not suffer uh, from, being, uh, from hanging uh, and, and would not die for his crimes, but that he would be pardoned. And uh, Andrew Jackson, the president then, uh, issued a, a pardon for him. When George Wilson received that letter of pardon, he refused it. He said, I will not accept that letter of pardon. Well, that had never happened in America before and so uh, they, they were shocked by it and they were slightly in dismay and they went to the Supreme Court with it to try and figure out, well, listen, the president pardoned this man, but this man refused the pardon. Is the man supposed to hang or is the man supposed to walk? What's supposed to be done? The Supreme, Chief Justice Marshall of the Supreme Court wrote the opinion, a pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. George Wilson died in 1830, being hung for the crimes that he had committed. And you think, well, that's boy, that's kind of crazy to refuse a pardon when the President of the United States and friends had advocated on your behalf and and gone to the President and the President wrote out a pardon and sent it to you and, and you would get that pardon and you would refuse it and say, I'm not going to accept that pardon. Listen, my friend, Jesus Christ went all the way to the cross of Calvary And he shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary. And he wrote out a pardon. And he signed your name to the top. And he said, listen, I want you to be pardoned today. But if you refuse that pardon, hey, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that's the penalty that we're under. He wants us to be pardoned. He wants us to be saved. And we would be crazy. Uh, I think George Wilson uh, was crazy to turn down the pardon that the President of the United States had written out for him and and to go and hang uh, for something that he had done, and, and yet he could have been free and walking around. But he did not. Listen, this man, he was in the presence of Jesus and Jesus had a pardon slip already written out for him. He already knew uh, that, hey, he, he could be saved and he could be, trust the Lord Jesus Christ as his own personal Savior. And this man that day accepted the pardon and this man had his sins forgiven to him. Listen, uh, Jesus wants to pardon you this morning. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, 12, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by His own blood, He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Praise the Lord for the pardon that He wrote out. Hey, and I accepted that pardon when I I was 12 years old at a Christian camp. I thank God for the pardon that He gave me. And I, I'm walking, not because Shane Rice is a good guy, not because Shane Rice is not guilty, but because Shane Rice has been pardoned and the price has been paid on the cross of Calvary by Jesus Christ. How about you this morning? Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you accepted that pardon? He's written it out for you and all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Him for salvation. If you understand that in the midst of Jesus this morning, there is pardon. Not only is there pardon, but I want you to notice, look with me at verse number 24 of our text. Luke chapter 5 and verse number 24. He says, But that ye may know the Son of Man hath power on, upon earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Not only, "Hey is in the midst of Jesus Christ this morning is their pardon, but I want you to know as well that there's a physician that can heal this morning. Hey, this man was healed. And listen, uh, that's prophetic that Jesus would do that. The Bible says in Malachi four two, but unto you that fear thy name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And listen, there was time and time again where Jesus went through and he healed many people. I'm telling you, I, I I find it amazing. I find it inspirational. Time and time again, no matter how many times I've read through the four gospels, all four of them, time and time again, I'll reread through them and I'll find man. What, a, what an incredible thing that Jesus healed this paralytic man. What an incredible thing that Jesus would heal this lame man. What an incredible thing that Jesus would touch the ears of this deaf man and that he'd be able to see and touch the eyes of this blind man and he'd be able to see and, and heal all of these people and the ministry that Jesus did. And it's amazing to me. I want you to realize and understand this morning, and I'm not crazy and I'm not going crazy, but Jesus still does heal. Now, He doesn't heal in the way that He did, and there's not the great miraculous show, but I can tell you this, the Bible says in James 5.15, and the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. And I'll tell you this, that listen, there's enough people that will testify... To their being healed through prayer. Now understand, I'm not talking about crazy, showy healing services. I remember one time I was in a Fada in Peru and we worked there as missionaries and it was a deaf school and a deaf church. And I remember uh, some big healing person came to town and all the deaf, they were, I mean, they were excited about it. And they said, Man, I. You know, we want to. They were all talking about going to that thing. And I said, Listen, if one deaf person goes over there and comes back hearing, I'll close down what we're doing here and you can all go over there. I said, Just one, not a single deaf person came back hearing. And I'm not, I don't say that to say that God cannot heal, God can heal. I do say this, there is a whole lot of people glorifying themselves with some ability and some miraculous power. Uh, that, that Listen, I don't know about all of that, but I do know this, that God said that He would be glorified and He would be on. And I do know this, that Jesus had healed people while He was here on this earth And he did it in a marvelous and a very miraculous way like this guy who instantly was healed completely, 100%. The Bible says he got up, he grabbed his bedroll, and he walked out of there. He couldn't walk in. He couldn't even get in on his feet. But yet he was able to carry that bed and walk out on his own two feet. And Jesus worked a miracle. And I know through the beginning of the book of Acts, hey, he gave power to the disciples to be able to do some of that. But as you read through the book of Acts, you'll find that hey it started to calm down and it started to slow down and those great wonderful miracles did not take place towards the end of the book of Acts why is that it was a sign for the Jewish nation that they could see this is the handiwork of God this is God himself and I'll say this listen we still believe that God is able to heal that's why we pray. That's why we have a prayer list on the back of our bulletin. And, and you'll notice there's people and people every week submit prayer cards. And and, and I tell you what, I'll, I'll take and I'll pray for those people. And, and I'll say this, hey, sometimes God heals people and sometimes God doesn't heal people. You say, really? Well, what about Paul? The Apostle Paul said this in, in 2 Corinthians. Go over there with me. Save your spot in Luke as we'll be back there. But in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12... I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse number 7. Paul writes this. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, lest I, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Paul was saying, Hey, I have some affliction of my flesh, I had some difficulty, I had some problem in my flesh that hindered my ability. And he said this in verse number eight: For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said, Said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, that my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what happened? Paul took his infirmity to God and he prayed about it. He said, God, would you heal me of this? Whatever the infirmity, some people think it was eyesight. Some people think it was somebody else, something else. We don't really know what it was. Paul did not tell us, but he did pray to God and he did take it to God. And God said, no. He said, I want you to understand that my grace is sufficient for thee. And he lived with that infirmity the rest of his life. And he died with it. Did God answer his prayer? Oh, yeah, God answered his prayer, just not the way he liked. He didn't say, yes, I'll heal you. He said, no, I want you to understand my grace is sufficient for thee. And sometimes God will allow uh, us to have difficulties and problems in this life that He may get the honor and glory in your life. And I want you to know that there was physical healing for this man. And God, uh, hey, listen, sometimes we'll pray and sometimes God will work it out and He'll take care of us and He'll heal us of of things. But it's not going to be some crazy miraculous show where man will be glorified. It'll be something that God will get honored and glorified for. We need to understand that. In the midst, there's pardon. In the midst, there is a physical or a physician that's able to heal. I want you to notice this as well. In math, and back in Luke 5 in our text, in the midst, there is peace. Listen, when all your sins are forgiven, hey, there's peace with God. Man, there's nothing, I've said it so many times, and, and it's true. There is nothing better knowing that there's nothing between you and the Savior. Hey, when you know your life is right with God and you know everything is going well and you know that, hey, uh, that, that, that you're at peace with God, man, it's an alleviation to the soul. And where He's forgiven our sins, praise the Lord, there's peace. And, and, and listen, not only that, but I want you to notice that God gives peace to the troubled soul. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, Be careful but for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Hey, listen, whatever storm it is, whatever difficulty you have in your life, whatever problem, whatever ailment, whatever it is that that troubles you. Hey, listen, you get into the presence in the midst of Jesus and you'll find there's a peace and there's a calm. What about the disciples? You remember when they crossed that sea? And God sent a storm. And in the middle of that storm, the Bible says that Jesus was asleep in the hinder part of the boat and He was there and He was sleeping and resting and and the disciples were trying to bring that boat to land but they were not able to. And finally, they became scared for their lives. And they said, hey, we're going to sink and we're going to die. And finally, they went to Jesus and they woke Him up. And Jesus, in the middle of that storm, in the middle of that ocean, stood up and He said, Peace, be still." Hey, and in whatever trouble and whatever difficulty you get into, the presence of God and you'll find there's peace and there's calm, even in the midst of the storm. In the presence of Jesus, there's peace. In the presence of Jesus, there's pardon. In the presence of Jesus, there's a physician that heals. And in the presence of Jesus. Hey, listen, uh, I want you to notice as well, not only is there peace, not only is there pardon, not only is there uh, the physician that heals, I want you to notice that there is praise. Look with me at verse number 25. And immediately he rose up before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. You know what he was doing? Praise the Lord. Hey, I was, I was a sick man, laid out in bed, and I couldn't walk. But I tell you what, I got into the presence of Jesus and my life was changed, and my life was rearranged. Hey, and I'm walking today not because of who I am or because Dr. So-and-so, but I'm walking today because Jesus Christ made a change in my life. And hey, I want everyone to know, and I want God to be glorified because of the difference that was made in my life. Let me tell you something, Christian, you get into the presence of Jesus, you get in the midst of Jesus, hey, and there's praise to glorify Him. Listen, everyone, I, I wish we had time to go through the story and testimony of every person this morning. Oh, what praise it would bring to God. You know what it is? I can tell you, that I can sum up just about every story. You were lost. You were undone. Sin had beaten you down in your life. And you know what? You called upon Jesus Christ and trusted him as your own personal savior you received that pardon that he wrote out for you and you know what you were saved and your life was changed and we can praise God we gather together and we sing those songs listen we got something to sing about because we've been saved our life has been changed and we can praise the lord this morning because of the change that he made go on with me in verse number 26 and they were all amazed and glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Listen, maybe you get discouraged, but I tell you what, you look at another brother and you look at his life and you say, you know what, God changed his life. Hey, praise the Lord for what God's doing in his life. Praise the Lord that that paralytic man Maybe God has told you, hey, my grace is sufficient and you're muscling through some things and you're struggling with some trials and you have some, uh, some difficult circumstances. But I tell you what, you can rejoice with another brother who's been saved and his life has been changed and rearranged because of what God has done in his life. And maybe you don't see God working right now in the situation that you have. But I tell you what, you can praise God because he's working in somebody else's life. Hey, they were all amazed and glorified God. I want you to know that that happened all in the midst of Jesus Christ. In the presence. As I thought about that, and I read that, and I was thinking about those verses, and there's tons of other verses in the New Testament we didn't only cover, but one passage really where Jesus was in the midst. I thought, you know what? I, as a Christian, I want to be in the midst with Jesus. I want to be right there when those other people get pardoned, when they get physical healing, when they get peace with God, when they start praising God because their life has been changed. Hey, I want to be in the midst. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there, I am, there am I in the midst of them." Hey, listen, we gather together on Sunday morning. We gather together on Sunday night. We gather together on Wednesday night. You know why? Because I want to be in the midst of where God is working. I want to be where God shows up. Listen, there are certain political people. There are certain sports figures. Man, they draw a big crowd and people just want. I mean, they will pay big money to go and just be in the presence, in the room with that same person. There's others who pay even more so they can go up on stage or go backstage and actually shake their hand and meet them and get an autograph. Listen to me this morning, church. Hey, we have the opportunity of a lifetime to get together with somebody that's far greater than any physical person on this world, on planet Earth. And that's in the midst of Jesus Christ. Every time the church gathers, hey, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst, and I want to be there. Because He's there in the midst. And we gather, and listen, in the midst, there's pardon. In the midst, there's, there's a physician that heals. In the midst, there's peace in life. And listen, in the midst, there's praise that takes place. And I want to be in the midst with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I want to witness other people get peace. I want to witness other people get pardoned. I want to be able to praise God for the things that He does with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning as we stand to our feet. This morning, are you in the midst of Jesus Christ? Have you received the pardon? Listen, my friend, He's written it out for you. He's got His name written down on it. And it's up to you. Are you going to reject it or are you going to accept it? He wants you to be saved this morning. He wants you to be changed. But that that depends on you. Don't be like George Wilson, that turned down the presidential pardon. Don't turn down the pardon of Jesus Christ. While you're in the presence with him, it might not happen again. You're not guaranteed that it will. In the presence, there's pardon. In the midst of Jesus, there's a physical physician that can heal. In the midst with Jesus, there's peace. In the midst with Jesus, there's praise. Take a moment. Praise God this morning. Father, I pray. What a privilege. What an honor we have. God, not to be here because some big person or name or influential person is here but because God, you promised in your word where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you would be in the midst. And God, we're gathered here in your name. God, we thank you. We're privileged. We're honored. We're humbled that you would be in our midst. God, we're humbled that you would pardon our sins. We're humbled that you would heal our Difficulties. We're humbled that you would give us peace in our life that passes all understanding. We're humbled. And for this, God, we praise you. We thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play this morning, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open, some have come. Take a moment to praise the Lord this morning. Take a moment to seek God's peace. Take a moment to seek God's physical healing. Take a moment. Listen, if you've never been pardoned and God is offering you that pardon this morning, why not receive it? Don't reject it while you're in the midst. Listen, you may leave here and it may be too late. You might walk out of the midst of Jesus and turn down that pardon. Don't do that. He loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to save you. As the pianos playing. In the midst. I'm glad that Jesus. I'm glad that Jesus would be with us. There's, we're, we're just humble people. God would meet with us, to be honest with you. As the piano plays, God spoke into your heart, the altar's open.